Hey, welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Check us out on the web at missiodeschicago.com. Here, just uh, hanging on by the very thin thread, um, whereas tragedy may have hit you or suffering or may have been the, the highlight of your life this past week or may have been just a hell of a week. But uh, we want to just um, take time just to pray and ask God to speak to you if that's cool. Amen? Um, so God, uh, would you speak to us today? We pray. We pray that you would bring life uh, from the ground. We pray that salvation would spring from the ground, that you'd bring wholeness, um, freedom in this place, God. We pray that you would replace um, in this city that's filled with so much apathy and cynicism, uh, that you would replace it with a, with, a, with a culture of honor, that we would see every man, woman, and child uh, bestowed with your image, Jesus, uh, that they would be fully and freely uh, thriving in the city because of the kingdom of God. Um, God, we ask that you would take people here who are in, um, just in the rat race of, of trying to perform or prove themselves or gain status. Um, we pray that you would give them a holy ambition for you, God, uh, that you would replace that energy with an energy that is uh, everlasting and eternal and makes a difference. Um, so God, we pray that you would just uh, give us uh, a sense of being an, having an overcoming spirit today. Um, so many of us are just uh, exhausted from life and tired. Um, so God, give us an overcoming spirit by your power. Um, and then, uh, God, we ask, uh, lastly, that you would just see us today, that you'd be, we'd see you in the vicinity, that you would be near to us and that you wouldn't pass us by, that you would be here and you would see every person here for what they, who they are and their, their worth to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Cool. Um, so uh, we're in the Gospel of Mark, if you're new with us. Uh, we're, we do different series often. Um, today we're going um, through the Gospel of Mark, and we're kind of towards the tail end of our series, and we're going to pick up the latter half next year. Um, and so what we do is we usually just take verses of the Bible, chunk by chunk, and teach through them. That's cool. Um, today we're looking at the story of blind Bartimaeus, a blind guy that was healed by Jesus. Um, so I'm going to interchangeably call him Blind Bart, Blind Barty, Bartimaeus, I don't know, just mix it up a little bit. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to have a message, uh, we're going to sing, and then we're going to exit out, have the baptism celebration, and sing a couple of songs outside for all of Ravenswood, Lincoln Square to hear, amen? Um, and um, I just want to say that if you are here and God somehow stirs you uh, to get in the water, um, we have extra towels and I bet you somebody here will give you a shirt. Um, so we, we, will, uh, we will take care of you. So um, if God so does so, you are welcome for spontaneous baptisms. We have some planned, but um, that's always fun. Um, so let me get into this passage. Let's read it. I'm super excited about this passage. It's one of my favorite stories in the Gospel of Mark, and uh, it should be on the screen. Mark chapter 10, verse 46, and it says, And they, this is Jesus and his disciples, came to Jericho, Uh, And as he was leaving uh, Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, 
He sprang up and came to Jesus, and Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. The word of the Lord. Um, I want to give you a little bit of context to this story because it's a little bit of a comedic scene, um, to be honest. Uh, and so, uh, first of all, this is uh, Jesus' journey to the cross. Uh, the, the, Jesus' crucifixion and death and resurrection happened around the time of Passover, which many of you know. Um, so everyone from Israel, um, from the region, every good, faithful Jew was traveling in the pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. So crowds upon crowds um, coming towards Jerusalem. Um, this Jericho was a city about 15 miles northeast of uh, Jerusalem. Um, so Jesus and his disciples, would, Jesus was a famous at this point, a well-known revolutionary rabbi um, who had a following. And so people were um, stammering and stammering just to get to the, 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 like the words of Jesus. Um, Jesus's journey would have kind of been like his classroom. Uh, and so the, the journey on the way would have been times where Jesus would teach parables like consider the kingdom of God is like this mustard seed, right? And you've heard those stories where Jesus would have taught on this way. Um, and so in the city of, Jerus- of, of Jericho, um, we see this blind beggar. Now, Jericho also, I want to point out, is like one of the wealthiest Jewish cities, all right? So this place was like... Um, it's Passover, it's the wealthiest city. If you were a blind beggar and you found the right spot on the right block at the right stop stoplight, right, you would make a killing, all right? And so this was like a, a, a beggar's dream. Um, and so if you were on the margins, you were poor, not only this, but Passover was a time that Jews would be giving more generosity to the poor. Uh, so they'd be giving more alms to the poor by their According to their faith, they'd be more generous during this time. And so scholars say that uh, if, a, if, if someone that was begging for money was at the right spot, they could get enough money to last them seven or eight months, um, just all because of this one annual event. Uh, and so uh, here com- and then here comes Jesus traveling, bringing this crowd, and Bartimaeus hears that Jesus is coming, Jesus of Nazareth, this teacher, this rabbi, um, this one who's claiming to maybe be the son of David, son of God. Now, I don't usually like people who intentionally draw attention to themselves in a big crowd or, like, try to buck the system. Usually kind of, like, can irk me. Maybe that's issues with my childhood. I don't know. Um, But uh, I got to give it to Bartimaeus, like, because this guy, he just doesn't care. Like, he doesn't care at all. He's been kicked down, rejected, marginalized. He's lost everything and it's been long enough that he just doesn't care. And he hears, I love this, because he just hears Jesus is in the vicinity. And he starts cry, shouting out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, Mark doesn't show this because Mark's gospel is all about like immediately trying to show like a fast story of Jesus' counter. But I imagine a blind guy hearing that Jesus is coming probably said this not once, but probably 20, 30 40 times just sitting there, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. And this is where to me it gets a little comedic because how does we know that a blind Barty isn't just getting punked? Because like, I can just imagine being in the crowd and just being like, hey man, Jesus is coming. Oh, Jesus, son of David, don't pass me by. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. He's not even close. Like, can you just imagine, like, how does he even know Jesus is close by? Because he can't see. 
So here's this person who's either being punked horribly or he is, um, uh, he's not being pranked. He's just truly um, in faith, just waiting, calling out repeatedly, repeatedly, son of David, don't pass me by. It reminds me, you guys know the Streetwise people. We used, our favorite, Steve, who also goes by Greg, he had this amazing rap down. It was like, Streetwise, if you want it, I got it. If you've got it, thank you. You guys remember that guy? It's kind of like blind Bart, isn't it? You know, just like, he's got this thing down. Son of David, don't pass me by. I don't know if it was a rap by then or what, but he's shouting this out repeatedly. That's what I want you to see. And the cool thing is, is that he hears rumors that he's there, and he's crying out because he has faith that Jesus has something about him that will make him whole. And uh, one of my favorite songwriters writes about this song, and he, said, he translates it a little differently. He says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the next line of the song is, Son of David, don't pass me by. And what, this, what Bartimaeus is cry, crying out is, don't pass me by. He doesn't care. Just a hint or a rumor of Jesus in the vicinity allows Bartimaeus to risk everything. To shout out, Son of David, don't pass us by. Don't pass me by. And then it gets better. Because you would think at that time, as I was saying, Jewish population, um, they're, they're, they're focused on their faith, right? They're focused on giving money to the poor. You would think that this just affirms us and our faith that we are now, man, look at this guy shouting out for Jesus. We're going to like do everything we can to get you to Jesus, to help you get uh, uh, closer to him. This is an opportunity for us to look, feel really good about ourselves for serving the poor. No, that's not what happens in the text. What it says is that this, it says that many of them, if you, I don't know if this is on the screen, but it says uh, in verse 48, there we go, somewhere in there, I'll read it from here. Verse 48, and many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. Now, you, this is now, you got the religious crowd um, just a very religious crowd who's very fixated on keeping all the rules. Um, re- keeping silent in the Greek, that's very polite. Probably more accurately is like, shut up. <laughs> and then rebuking sternly, that's probably Mark's way of removing all profanity from the Gospels. <laughs> we don't know what all was being said here, but excuse me for all those guests here, but if you grew, in your, grew up in church... And there's probably was like a parent in your church that was like you represented this person that you knew. She's kind of like the Christian bouncer in service, keeping everything really calm and straight as a kid, making sure you didn't do anything wrong. You know, she's got Emily Post rules of etiquette tattooed on her upper right, Robert's rule of order on her left. And if you get out of line, she's going to write and uppercut you. Um, and, but she loves Jesus. It's all to bless you. Um, but don't get out of line. Um, and I joke and tease, but the deal is, is um, what we see in this crowd and the disciples were a part of this crowd is what we see is often happens within a lot of religious circles is people become spectators instead of participants. And that we have a passive Christianity and they approach Jesus with a, a consumer approach rather than one being drawn to the opportunity to be a participant in the healing of blind Bartimaeus. They are more concerned about the religious facades of their day. And what's good, about, good news about Jesus is he's trying to break the curse on the human race. The trifecta of the tragedy of the world, 
the systemic forces of Satan and our own flesh that pull us from the love of God. And these, these three trifecta forces, the world, flesh, and Satan, they wield us towards evil. Whether it be personally or systemic forces or spiritual pressures that come together that make evil evil, this curse manifests itself in different ways. One is it gets us uh, to, to, as a community to participate in what I'd call fearful con- conformity. Uh, that we would conform to the group that we belong to in order to protect ourselves and protect our group. And this is completely what's go- happening here, a, a sense of a lie of self-preservation that causes us, causes us to be spectators rather than participants. Now, I, what does Bartimaeus do? Sneaks away in shame. He's so embarrassed he can't take this anymore. He's like, I'm never going to, why should I even try? I've been blind for 12 years, all my life. No, that's not what Bartimaeus does. What does the passage say? It says that he began to cry out all the louder. He cried out all the more, son of David, don't pass me by. Son of David, have mercy on me. So now, Bartimaeus is like this picture of faith, whereas we didn't read it, but the passage before this, what's interesting is Jesus is going to ask Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked the disciples, James and John, the exact same question, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, Lord, we want to sit on your right hand and on your left in glory. They were consumed with power and status. They wanted attention and admiration and used religion to get attention and admiration Whereas Bartimaeus shows us the picture of true faith. A faith that says, Jesus, don't pass me by. I'm at the end of my rope. I have nothing left. I realize that everything in this world that glitters and has shininess to it, that attracts me to it, is totally failing me and will, will, will not forgive me if I give my life to it. Your job, will, if you succeed at your job, you'll either... Be so prideful that you'll never be confronted again and you'll eventually just end in a narcissistic downward spiral of terror in the end. <laughs> or you'll fail your job and you'll feel like a nobody. Your job cannot forgive you or save you. Relationships cannot forgive you or save you. But here Bartimaeus gets this thing, this picture of what will is this God-man in the flesh who's come to say, I know exactly what you've been through. I know your sorrows, I know your pain, and yet I'm come here to triumph over all of it. And here Bartimaeus is, is he's, 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 he's this picture of, of true faith. Now, what's interesting, back to the religious crowd, the very people we try to exclude, God has divine plans for. The very people that we try to exclude, God has divine plans for. And the chances are that if you're on his list, You're someone that he wants to get on in the vicinity of. And he wants to show grace to you and see if you'll shout out to him, Son of David, don't pass me by. Maybe you can't see him, and maybe you've only heard rumors of him, but I guarantee you that if you get around the people that he's in the vicinity of or someone who's been talking about him, and you will risk everything to shout out, Son of David, have mercy on me, I guarantee you he'll meet you where you are. 
what's interesting is Jesus stops. That's what's interesting to me. He's on this 15-mile journey. He stops, and why does he stop? I think it's because of the title that Bartimaeus throws out. Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, this title was the same thing that he was trying to get his disciples to see the whole time, yet they missed it. And this title has roots to Jewish community, Davidic covenant, the David, the, the, the most popular king of Israel's time. God promised to David that I will one day send a true and better David who will rule and reign on this earth and bring healing and mercy. That's what the term son of David means, that he will rule and reign on this earth and bring healing and mercy. And he stops because one day someone will fulfill the role of David and sit on the throne here and now. And Jesus stops because Bart calls him the thing the disciples miss the whole time. And he's trying to show the disciples something at the same time as he encounters him. And I believe this is just as much of a provocation as it is a proclamation. In other words, this is just as much of a taunt and a test as it is a testimony. That, these, that Bartimaeus is not just saying, you're the son of David. He's testing him. If you are the son of David, you'll have mercy on me. And I wonder how many of us, when's the last time you cried out to God in prayer, have mercy on me? When's the last time, maybe for some of you, you recall visiting a family member in the hospital and You get to the parking lot and you're leaving the hospital after you've heard a horrible prognosis and you're beating your hand against the steering wheel, crying, son of David, don't pass me by. Don't pass my loved one by. Or for some of you, it's maybe a a friend's marriage or a parent's marriage or maybe your own marriage where you, you just didn't understand how it got to this point where the betrayal came from, or how the dysfunction happened, and you're just crying out to God, Son of David, don't pass me by. Or have you ever been at the place where you lost your job, and you're sitting on the the steps of the job you just lost, and you've done everything to show that this is the thing that's going to prove that I matter in this world, that I have a purpose, and you're so upset because you just disappointed the people that depend upon you? Or you disappointed the parents who paid for you to get this job. And you don't know how to break the news to them. And you're crying out, son of David, don't pass me by. I believe that um, hospitals are not like my favorite thing. Physical pain, I'm kind of like really uh, just horrible about it. Squishy. You give me emotional pain, I'm like, come on, bleed all over me with your emotional pain. This is where God's about to get good. I'll take it on. Physical pain, I'm like, yeah, I'm melting. Oh, it's like, I'm like just mush. My, you need my wife on the other hand. She's the rock star of physical pain. That's who you need to go to. Um, I remember when our daughter, Naomi, our firstborn, um, she had this fever that kept climbing, 102, 103, 104, 105. We take her to the doctor, and the doctor says, you have to get her to the emergency room quick. Her white blood cell count is through the roof. I don't know if this was wise of her, but she said it could be something serious, like leukemia. And we're like, oh. And we're freaking out. We're driving to the hospital. I'm in my physical pain uh, paralyzation. And we're going, and, and all I can cry out is, son of David, don't pass my daughter by. Don't pass her by. See, everything in this world will fail us, but God is the only sure and stable thing in this universe. 
and he is, wants to, you to cry out to him. And he's missed the, the we, some of you right now are in, aren't in a dependence crisis, but we all really are because everything we touch is a facade. The reality is, is that's coming for us one way of the other, or the other. Now, in Jesus' time, that term, son of David, um, a lot of people didn't have a problem calling Jesus the son of David. They believed Jesus was going to be this earthly Messiah who would take them out of their oppression and bring a political kingdom. What Jesus claimed about himself during that time that people had a hard time announcing was that Jesus was the son of God. But I think for you and I, who, especially us who've been in Christianity for a long time, we, we're, it's easy for us to call Jesus son of God. Yes, I trust you for my afterlife. Yes, I trust you that one day you'll get me from here to eternity with you. But to call him the son of David, the one who can bring healing and mercy to you in the midst of your circumstance, who will meet you right where you are, to call on him and say, I'll depend on you for everything for the here and now and trust you that you can bring complete mercy and healing now, that son of David, I don't think we like to call on that too much. Because if you're anything like me, where I admire Bartimaeus, is he's not like me because I'm too jaded and too bitter and too cynical. Because if you're anything like me, to be honest, I don't want to pray those kind of bold prayers because I'm scared I'll be disappointed. I'm scared I don't deserve the answer. I'm scared I don't deserve to be able to pray that prayer. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, quite frankly, don't believe God will do anything about it sometimes. But Bartimaeus, he's not like us. He has faith. He has faith that God is still there. But for us, we get blinded and cynical. And so my question is, is do you know him as the son of David who wants to walk right by you and see if your eyes will open to the kingdom of God and drop his presence right down in your midst? Do you know him as the son of David who wants to come and touch your pain and heal your pain and make you whole? Do you know him as the son of David who doesn't just want to secure your eternal salvation but wants to come and meet you and for you to feel his intimacy and peace and love like no other? And then Jesus asked him this question, what do you want me to do for you? Now, I think there's a t Twitter handler out there. It's called Je Jesus' Bad PR Advice or something like that. And it makes me think about this moment because if I was one of the disciples following Jesus around, and like if we were walking around downtown Chicago, let's just say Jesus comes here, and we're following him, and this blind beggar starts shouting out, Son of David, have mercy on me! And um, pulls on Jesus' like on Shaw, and he turns around and says, um, what do you want me to do for you? I'm going to be like, uh, Jesus, um, um, when I followed you, I didn't get the spiritual gift of prophecy, but I got this hunch that he wants to see. <laughs> I don't know. Might be off, but I'm not. I think he wants to see. Like, this question, what do you want me to do? Like, of course, Jesus, and why does Jesus ask this question? I think it's because he wants us to be able to name it and say it. He wants us to be able to name our, our condition and say it out loud and say, you know what? I'm blind. I can't see. And he does this, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? 
I want you to be able to have the nerve to say out loud what is going on with you. And, and the reason we often don't is we, because we, we don't, we th- again, we think we don't deserve it. We think that he won't answer. We think he won't hear. Or we've been disappointed or we're scared we'll be disappointed. And so we protect ourselves from the love of God rather than pouring ourselves into the love of God. And so if I'm blind here in this moment, I'm just going straight to sarcasm. Jesus is like, hey, Brian, what do you want me to do for you? I'm like, um, Jesus, um, I want to be taller, not shorter. That's what I want. Um, I want a peanut butter and jelly manna. What do you think I want, Jesus? I freaking, I want to see. What, of course, are you son of David or what? Like, why would you even ask me that question? But again, Bartimaeus isn't as jaded as I am. One commentary, I love this, it says that, the faith of Bartimaeus rose to the full heights of his divine possibilities. That's my prayer for us, is that we would rise, our faith would rise to the full heights of divine possibilities and reach our full redemption, redemptive potential, Miss Day. Are you living into your full redemptive potential? Or are you just getting by because you believe Jesus is going to pass you by? And I give you this disclaimer, though. I make no guarantees if you pray this prayer, where, when, how, or what Jesus will say or do. Because actually the only thing predictable about following our God is he's notoriously unpredictable. Pick the firstborn. No, I'll take the second. Pick the religious elite. No, I'll take the killer. Take, take this person who's, who's given their entire life to studying the Torah and knowing it left and right. Mm, prostitute seems better to me. The only thing predictable about our God is he is notoriously unpredictable in the people he chooses and calls to make his glory known. And he, if you follow him, he will not be safe. It is wildly adventurous. But will we be the people that we see that in the midst of the circumstance, there's, are we going to be the people who are like, oh gosh, there's no redemption, there's no hope, there's no healing? Or are we going to be the people that say, son of David, don't pass me by? Could we as a community be armed with a prayer from Scripture itself as a community? Son of David, have mercy on us, don't pass us by. I just want to give one last caveat as a close. Bartimaeus' eyes were opened. In the very next chapter, what happens is the triumphal entry in which they began to celebrate Jesus' journey, but they didn't know he was going to the cross. And one of the very first things Bartimaeus will see is Jesus dying on the cross in all of his beauty. And right there in the midst of this, the very first a week after Jesus, uh, Bartimaeus is healed, his eyes and his pupils are dilated with the technicolor glory of the cross. And he sees this man who healed him die and be buried, and not only that, raised again. And what is the first thing that Jesus says when he raises again to his disciples and to now Bartimaeus who's following him? Go and tell everything you've seen and everything you've heard about me. So not only is what God is doing in you right now a right, it is equally as much of a responsibility to be that same kind.